0: All right, again, welcome to uh, our Bible class this evening. Uh, we'll be in lesson number 56, or uh, if you would just want to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in Matthew chapter 17, uh, the last, oh, about five verses in Matthew chapter 17. And we have really, over the past uh, three or four classes, have been uh, following Jesus during sort of this um, very important time in his ministry. Uh, we've seen him sort of, Uh, come out more plainly and boldly towards uh, his apostles and his disciples, you know, letting them know what's going to take place pretty soon. We're sort of rolling uh, faster and faster towards uh, that, you know, that last week of his life, the Passion Week. You know, we still have probably, oh, about 10 or so uh, lessons to go, uh, but we're getting closer and closer to when Jesus is going to enter Jerusalem. And so, again, uh, you know, that's going to take up a lot of our study as well. I think I mentioned... I can't remember the numbers, but maybe you know, 30 to 35 percent of the Gospels focus in that last week of Jesus' life, and uh, and of course, you know, that third uh, year in his ministry. And so, uh, we still have a lot of of lessons to go through. Again, you know, this is probably going to take us into January and February to finish uh, the curriculum. uh, But we're starting to get you know closer and closer to when Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and uh, endure on the cross. And so, uh, again, we're in Lesson 56 tonight. Uh, If you were with us on Sunday morning, we looked in Lesson 55 about uh, the disciples who had lacked faith. And if you recall, Jesus and uh, three of the apostles, uh, Peter, James, and John, they go up on the high mountain. Uh, This, of course, is the the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is transfigured before them. And uh, it's you know, such a powerful event. Elijah, Moses is there uh, that they see. But of course, they uh, come down the mountain to uh, get back together with the other nine apostles. And uh, they are sort of in a tough position when we get down there. Uh, if you recall, a great crowd gathers around <laughs> Jesus and the, the apostles. And some of the scribes are there as well. And of course, the scribes are there not necessarily for the benefit of Jesus, but you know they want to start arguments, they want to catch Jesus in a trap. Uh, but one of the people that was in the crowd was this man who had a son who was demon-possessed, basically from his childhood. So uh, this boy had been dealing with this for a very long time. You know The scriptures, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are all very descriptive of just what this boy is going through. If you recall, he's uh, the, this evil spirit was throwing him into the fire. He was throwing him into the water, you know, trying to drown this young boy. Uh, he was foaming at the mouth at sometimes. He would convulse at times. It was just a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, you know, painful imagery that we get. Uh, it, it mentions that every time the spirit left this boy, uh, that it would leave him violently, and so we get a very you know, depictive description as to you know what this boy is going through, what this father is going through, and of course. Uh, As Jesus' apostles, uh, those nine apostles, you know, he takes his boy to them, but what couldn't those apostles do? Uh, They couldn't cast that spirit out, that evil spirit out. They've done this before. You know, we've seen in other instances where the apostles had the authority to do that, but in this instance, for whatever reason, uh, they just couldn't do that. And so, uh, you know, of course, Jesus is, you sort of get a hint of frustration in his voice uh, when he says, you know, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, you know, how long am I going to have to be around uh, you? And, um, you know, the father says, you know, he he asked that question of Jesus, you know, if you can, and remember, Jesus kind of replies, if I can, right? I can do all things if, if you believe, right? All things are possible if you believe. And the Father, of course, makes that, um, you know, that great statement, help my unbelief. And so Jesus casts out that evil spirit uh, from the child. Again, it leaves violently, uh, but it is gone uh, immediately. And really, the, the, the emphasis of that lesson was the disciples' a question afterwards, right? Why couldn't we have done this? Uh, why, in this instance, did this, uh, you know, this uh, evil spirit not leave the boy when we tried to cast it out as we have done in the past? And Jesus, you know, he, he told them, you know, it was because of the littleness of their faith. You know, he, he talked about if only they had the, the faith of a mustard seed, right? Uh, a, a mustard seed is quite small, right? But when it's planted, when it's cultivated, it grows to be a great uh, tree-like structure, And uh, apparently at that time, their faith was lacking. Uh, He even mentions that, you know, that spirit can only come out by prayer. And I think some translations say prayer and fasting. Uh, And so it appears to us that, you know, Jesus was referring to their prayer life. You know, that they were struggling uh, maybe in their prayer life. And does a lack of prayer in our life lead to a, a weaker faith Yeah, we, we notice that uh, that it does, because when we don't rely on God in prayer, you know, we're telling God that, you know, we can do things on our own, that, that we don't need him, that we don't need to talk to him and, you know, and tell him those things that we need. And so uh, we notice, again, that the, uh, the, those three apostles, James, Peter, and John, they're on a high, right, because they've just seen Jesus transfigured before them, and they come down that mountain, and now they're sort of in the valleys, they're sort of... You know, in the despair now because uh, of this, you know, this lesson that Jesus has to teach about lacking faith. And so that's where we were um, Sunday morning. We'll continue on uh, again in Matthew chapter 17, verses uh, 22 through 27. As we continue, uh, Jesus and uh, the, the disciples, uh, they were present or they were in Caesarea Philippi as we recall, you know, again, that's sort of north of the Sea of Galilee, that's uh, out of Galilee, it's in Gentile territory, you know, that's where the Good Confession took place, you know, again, where the, the Mount of Transfiguration took place, we don't exactly know, but it's probably likely it took place up in that area, but now we're told that they are heading back to uh, Galilee, they're heading back to Galilee, uh, Capernaum is in Galilee, and that's you know, really, Jesus' home base. And so, we're going to see a couple... or We're going to look at one event, really, in particular, uh, tonight. Uh, but before we get there, just kind of a couple of questions, a couple of thoughts to think about. Uh, if you want to raise your hand, you can or not. But who here likes paying taxes? Nobody's hands going up. Oh, we got one. Okay. right. All right. Uh, You know, obviously taxes are, you know, they're they're beneficial for uh, preserving and, you know, protecting. And uh, of course our education system is, um, you know, is bolstered by that as well. But not a lot of us like to pay taxes, do we? We don't like getting that paycheck with, you know, 20 to 30% of our paycheck missing uh, because it's, you know, going to uh, the government. Who's seen in the news this past week about uh, you know possibly the government hiring uh, 87,000 new IRS agents? Have you seen that? Heard about that? You know uh, we probably could say that maybe there's some other places uh, that maybe our government needs to spend that money, but they're looking to hire you know 87,000 more IRS agents. You know is that a good idea? Uh, you know again th- those maybe are some of our uh, personal thoughts, and we're not going to necessarily talk about this today, but you know, just the, the, the thought of paying taxes. You know, I, I was, uh, as you know, you know uh, an accountant, but uh, you know, I often have to tell people, you know, when, when you tell people that you're an accountant, sometimes they say, well, hey, can you do my taxes for me? And I have to explain to them, you know, that, uh, you know, sort of like being a doctor, You know, you have different professions. You know, you might be a brain surgeon versus a pediatrician. You know, and uh, tax accounting was not my favorite. It was probably my least favorite. And so, I did not like doing taxes or being involved in taxes at all. Right, and uh, that was one of my major uh, things that I dealt with working in school districts is sort of you know watching that money flow from. The, the, uh, the county government into the school and just making sure that, you know, the, the amount that th- we were supposed to receive uh, actually happened, and it was just very tedious. So again, I know I'm probably, a, um, you know, online with all of you as well that, you know, we don't like uh, paying taxes, but what we're going to see in this lesson, an ironic thing, is that the, the Son of God paid taxes in this account, and it's just very ironic uh, that we're gonna notice here. But other than that question, so we got the tax question, uh, but more importantly, where this lesson is gonna be heading is more on the line of you know, our personal rights, right? Uh, are our personal rights ever more important than doing what is right? Again, we don't necessarily have to answer that question. That's a difficult question. I know we all might struggle uh, with that, You know, what if uh, the government, you know, makes a law that, you know, you can't do such and such, right? Sometimes we will get uh, upset about that and maybe even say, well, that's violating, you know, my personal rights. Um, What if the government said we couldn't gather for worship? Well, that kind of happened a couple of years ago, didn't it? Uh, Maybe not to the extreme, uh, but uh, there were some things that, um, you know, the government... Uh, installed during the during you know COVID when it first came out, and uh, you know maybe we got upset about that, and we would say something to the effect of you know that's violating my personal rights. Right? We, we, we know Acts chapter five verse twenty nine right that uh, we must obey God uh, rather than men, and so obviously that verse you know plays a part in to how we think about how all of those things work. But, uh, you know, that's really going to be the gist of this lesson that Jesus is, you know, going to teach here, especially to Peter, you know, about, uh, you know, how we treat, you know, those things that we are entitled to. But maybe uh, it's in an instance that, you know, we don't go and and take advantage of it for the sake of others. And so uh, let's notice that. Uh, but, But before we get there, let's just read these first two verses in Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23. Again, right after Jesus uh, casts out that demon, it says, And while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. So just a couple quick points. Uh, We notice they're they're coming back into Galilee. Again, they left Galilee because of King Herod. Uh, We saw probably about a month ago, but now they're coming back in this region. Uh, We'll notice that they're going to Capernaum. Again, this is Jesus' home base. This is probably where Peter lived. Uh, This is going to be his last time visiting this area uh, before he goes to Jerusalem. Um, Mark's account tells us that he didn't want anyone to know that they were uh, headed there or what he was talking about. And he was teaching them, as we see here. About the death, about his death and his resurrection. We saw uh, about a week ago in Matthew chapter 16, where it told us that you know he was telling this to his disciples plainly, right? In, in the past, he sort of hinted at his death and burial and resurrection uh, through. Um, you know, using some figurative language, uh, maybe about the temple being destroyed or being uh, in the belly of the fish, Jonah was. But we saw in Matthew 16 that he came out and said, you know, plainly, that this is what's going to happen, that he's gonna be um, taken by uh, the, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, and that he's gonna be killed and that he's gonna be raised on the third day. And they don't always, uh, the disciples don't always understand necessarily what he's, uh, what he's talking about. And it it seems that, uh, again, this is one of those instances uh, where they just don't get it. But here's Jesus for a second time, you know, again, telling them plainly about what's going to happen. Uh, Luke actually says Jesus wanted these words to sink into their ears. He wanted them to listen and to remember this. And the account we just read in verse 23, it says they were deeply grieved at this information that jesus just gave to them he told them again that uh, he was going to be delivered into the hands of men and that they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day yet they're deeply grieved what 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 part of the that message do you think they were focusing on his death right Uh, they were deeply grieved, grieved at this message. You know, I, I would think that if uh, someone told, who I believed was the Messiah, told uh, me that they were going to raise from the dead, you'd seem like that would be, uh, you know, excited about that or encouraged or strengthened about that. But yet, it tells us here in this account they were deeply grieved at this message, and it seems like they're focusing more on again the the physical things, the, the men getting Jesus and physically killing him. And so, uh, Mark's account also tells us that they were afraid to ask him for any uh, additional explanation. So, uh, we just wanted to point that out again. Uh, another time where Jesus tells them plainly about what's going to happen. So then, let's read uh, verses 24 through 27 and really see the, the, the major part of this lesson. So, so when excuse me, when they came to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma tax. Came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? From their sons or from strangers? When Peter said, From strangers, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are exempt. However, So that we do not offend them, go to the sea and throw in a hook and take the first fish that comes out. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Okay, so uh, Matthew is the only one who records this miracle takes place. That's why we're reading out of Matthew. Um, Why does it make sense that Matthew's writing about this account of this tax collection? Okay, yeah, so that makes sense, right? Because Matthew was a tax collector. So this probably was something uh, that uh, he noticed and uh, took a, a, you know, a joy in writing uh, because uh, we see here an account of you know, taxes being collected. And again, Matthew was a tax collector. Uh, so that's no surprise to us. And so kind of give us a little bit of background as to what's going on. If we were to turn all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 30, uh, verses 11 through 16. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and read this to you. Again, Exodus chapter 30, starting at verse 11. But notice here, uh, Moses records, The Lord also spoke to Moses, saying, When you take a census of the sons of Israel to number them, then each one of them shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord when you number them, so that there will be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone who is numbered shall give, half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The the shekel is 20 geras, half a shekel as a contribution to the Lord. Everyone who is numbered from 20 years old and over shall give the contribution to the Lord. The rich shall not pay more, and the poor shall not pay less than the half shekel, when you give the contribution to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves." You shall not take the atonement money from the sons of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the sons of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. So uh, all the way back in the book of Exodus, uh, here's a law that uh, you know, Moses has decreed uh, through God or God through Moses, declaring to the, the people that uh, any male of 20 years or older is required to give a temple tax or well it's known as the temple tax now but back then uh, they were it would have been the tabernacle tax right because the temple had not been constructed yet they were worshiping god uh, via the tabernacle and so uh, and, but anyways there was a tax that these uh, men 20 years and older had to pay uh, in order to uh, I mean what what's the reason why you pay a tax So today we, we, you know, we would save it to, you know, sustain things to keep things running orderly, and that's sort of the same concept. They would pay this tax to, for the tabernacle services. You know, it's not uh, free to, uh, you know, just to sacrifice an animal, but you're going to have to pay for those things. You're going to have to, uh, you know, pay for the upkeep of that, and this is going to go throughout the mosaic. Regime uh, all the way up until Jesus's day that uh, now that the temple is constructed, uh, they are going to require a tax to, you know, keep the temple upkeep. Okay, and so, you know, and that's one of the reasons why uh, you recall uh, we haven't gotten there yet uh, in the life of Jesus, but towards the end of his um, ministry, you remember he's going to go into the temple and there's going to be uh, money changers in the ta- inside the temple conducting business, right? uh, and one of the reasons uh, there's money changers uh, in the temple is because of this uh, this tax that's going on. Right? You got people coming from all over um, you know, Palestine, and you know even people who lived outside Palestine coming to Jerusalem to pay this tax. And it's not as if you know the, there was the same currency all over the place. You know, it, in some places. Uh, you might be using uh, Roman coinage. Some places you might be using Greek coinage, and so you've got all of these different currencies coming into the temple, and they didn't necessarily, the Jews didn't necessarily like it uh, when you had a coin with an emperor's face on it, right? Uh, uh, and so uh, these money changers would be there to, you know, exchange, you know, whatever coin, coinage you brought for something that would have been more uh, suitable for the temple. But do you think they did that service for free? No, no they, they, they charged for that, right? And so that's one of the reasons why you know, Jesus overturned their tables because he was upset with uh, – they turned you know, the temple into a robber's den. right? And so, uh, so that's why you know, we see those money changers there again in the days of Jesus and why he cleared out the temple. Uh, but I've always found uh, – I don't know about you, but I've always found uh, – you know, when, when the Bible talks about, you know, monetary uh, coins or stuff, you know, kind of a little bit hard to follow. Right. Because there's uh, you got, um, you know, again, Roman coinage coming in. You got Greek coinage. Um, you've got, you know, things that are uh, based in gold, things based in silver, uh, copper. Um, what else? Bronze. Uh, can you recall any of those uh, in Scripture that comes to mind? Yeah, yeah. So Judas received that thirty; those thirty pieces of silver. And it doesn't really tell us, you know, what that was called, uh, but it just described it for us. And the widow and the two pants yeah. So uh, I think some translations say her her mites or uh, her pennies, her copper pennies, or uh, which one did you say? Pence. Yeah, I think some translations use that. So well, we see that in scripture. Um, Talents, do you remember uh, the parable of the talents? That's a monetary uh, value, uh, it's a very expensive monetary value. And so for us to, you know, we think in dollars and cents, right? And, and the, those different denomination bills and coins. But again, when you're reading scripture, you've got all these different ones coming. Uh, the denarius or denarii, we, that's probably one of the more popular ones in scripture. Here we have the drachma. Uh, which is very similar to the denarii. And then also the shekel is mentioned. And that's really, that's really big in the Old Testament uh, that we see the, the, the shekel. And so we've got all of this, again, coinage that, that kind of keeps us hard to track this. But I'll try to explain this. You know, I probably should have brought a, like a conversion chart because this is kind of, um, kind of maybe a little bit hard to follow. But a shekel was roughly equivalent to four denarii. Or four drachmas. Do you remember how much one denarii uh, was worth in that day? Yeah, a, day, a day's worth of work, right? Uh, you worked a full day, you got one denarii. And so, again, a, a shekel was roughly equivalent to four denarii. And so um, so the half shekel was worth uh, two denarii. Or, or two drachmas, and just to kind of give us some perspective as to how much this tax was, uh, was to these uh, individuals. You know, if you took uh, fifty-two weeks in a year, uh, times six days because they worked six of the seven days. You know, you get three hundred and twelve working days, right? And so you would, if you worked every day, you would have gotten three hundred and twelve denarii for that year. And uh, again, for them to pay uh, this temple tax would have been. Just, you know, two denarii out of 312 denarii. So we're talking less than a percent that this tax uh, is going to cost for these people. Uh, Is that a pretty good deal? Less than a percent? It's a lot better than what we pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're just talking about the, the temple tax. Obviously, they had other taxes they had to pay. And another thing that we should mention is that this is not taxes being paid to the Roman government, right? The Roman government had their own system of taxes. They hired uh, Jews like Matthew to go and Zacchaeus uh, to go and collect taxes from the Jewish people. But this is a tax the Jewish people are uh, requiring of the people. So this is on top of, you know, the taxes that they're paying to the Roman government. So, um... Christ here again. We're here. We are in Capernaum. He's probably in uh, Peter's home because uh, we believe Peter lives there in Capernaum. Um, and so this this um, tax official of the temple comes to uh, Peter, speaks to him, and asks, uh, "Does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax?" Now, what do you think? Do you think this was le- a legitimate question by this man, or do you think he was trying to uh, get Jesus? I'll Yeah, I I was trying to find out, uh, see, you know, if I could figure out or see if research, if uh, you know, how they kept track of that stuff back then. You know, did they have a log of people's names of, you know, that they paid the tax or not, or was it on the honor system? I wasn't sure, but uh, in in any event, this man comes to Peter and he asks him that question. You know, does your teacher um, pay the 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 temple tax and Peter uh, says yes uh, he does and uh, you know we can assume that maybe you know Peter has seen him do this in the past of course he's been with Jesus for a couple of years now but as Peter goes into the house to uh, you know explain this to Jesus we notice Jesus speaks up without even um, Peter asking a question right Jesus knows what's going on he knows uh, that they've just uh, had this conversation outside. And uh, again, Jesus spoke to him first. It says, saying, What do you think, Simon, from whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax, from their sons or from strangers? And Jesus is about to you know, teach Peter a lesson. Um, now, of course, uh, what's the answer to that? Do, do, do the, uh, the tax collectors, do they collect tax from the sons of the kings or from strangers? Strangers, right. Uh, and Jesus specifically says there right after that, um, that when Peter answers that, he says, yeah, the, the sons are exempt. So Peter, again, he's probably thinking, uh, you know, the civil government. He's got his mind on physical things while Jesus is turning his attention to the spiritual things. And uh, does Jesus technically have to pay this tax? No, again, it's in that, it's in his uh, his uh, saying there again that uh, the sons are exempt. Right, he's the son of God. Right? This is his temple. He's exempt from paying the tax. Right. Um, some people take this verse to mean that you know Christians don't have to pay taxes, uh, but uh, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, uh, you know, if we want a verse to, uh, to go with that, Romans chapter 13, verse 6, Paul says, uh, For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. So uh, Jesus isn't saying that uh, his sons do not have to pay taxes, but what he's saying is that he is the son of God. Uh, this is his temple. He should be exempt from taxes, right? Um, but... But, so not to offend them, he says, we're going to go ahead and pay it. And so uh, he he tells Peter what to do. He goes out and casts his hook out there and uh, takes the first fish that comes up. And, of course, uh, within the mouth of that fish is a shekel, which, uh, if we go back to our conversion chart, a shekel is worth... um, four denarii or four drachma, which is exactly enough to pay for both Peter and uh, Jesus. And so this is a very unique miracle that takes place. Did you notice anything in it that was unique about all any other miracle that Jesus performed? Okay, it involved money, right? This is probably the only miracle that we see that personally benefited Jesus. Right? Most of the miracle, or all the miracles that he's performed has um, you know, cured somebody or, or helped somebody in such a way. But this one actually personally benefited Jesus. Uh, this is the only miracle of which we are not told the outcome. Right? We're not told uh, that you know, Peter specifically went and paid uh, the man. But we can assume that's what's what happened. Uh, this is the only, um, only one fish is involved in this miracle. Uh, of course, many of the miracles that Jesus performed with uh, you know fishing involved. There were many fish, but this was just one fish. And you know maybe only a fisherman would have caught this. But uh, what's unique about the fishing style that Peter uh, took place or that Peter did here? How do they usually catch fish? Uh, within scripture with nets right and so uh, he's you know he's casting a hook right and uh, he caught this fish that way so that's also uh, unique so again a very unique miracle that takes place but again kind of the emphasis that we want to talk about here and i know we only have a few minutes left is that expression or that verse in verse 27 where jesus says however so that we do not offend them you know we're going to pay this tax uh, you think Jesus was concerned about offending uh, the official, the the tax collector? You know, there are there times where Jesus offended individuals. Yeah, it always had to do with uh, faith, right, or or, or doctrine. Uh, you know, people took offense to him and his teaching. You know, the Pharisees were always offended at his teaching, but. Uh, here's, a, here's a case where, um, again, you know, this isn't about a matter of faith. This isn't a matter of doctrine. This is a matter of you know, the, the, the civil government looking for its, uh, its taxes. And so uh, obviously you know, Jesus was not looking to uh, offend this individual on this particular day. And so uh, Jesus had every right not to pay the tax, as we talked about. And it appears that he didn't have the money necessary to pay for it. Uh, but he still did so. Right? Again, um, you know, it really uh, drove home the point uh, when, I, when I thought about this example. You know, if I, if I had a farm, let's say I grew pumpkins and I had this pumpkin farm and, you know, people come in and I charge them for purchasing the pumpkins. Uh, you know, do I need to pay uh, for the pumpkin that I might take or my kids might take from my farm? I'm not going to charge myself, am I? I'm not going to charge my kids. Again, Jesus, uh, Jesus was exempt from paying this tax uh, because he was the son of God. This is his temple. Uh, yet uh, he uh, is not wanting to offend this individual. And so, uh, again, Jesus offended individuals uh, throughout Scripture. But in this example, um, there was no reason to. Right? And Jesus lived this type of thinking, um, Jesus did not have to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, right? Because he never committed sin, yet he uh, submitted to baptism. Uh, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross, but he's going to, uh, again, uh, again, because he had no sin. He didn't have to do that, but he's going to. Um, Romans chapter 14, uh, and I know I'm kind of speeding through this. Because uh, I really wanted to hit Romans chapter 14 and Romans chapter 15, along with 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, are probably uh, some of the uh, great chapters to go to in dealing with uh, this, this, uh, you know, this situation of you know, our Christian liberties. Right? Um, you know, again, Jesus said he didn't want to offend them. He didn't want to cause them to stumble. And there are times when we as Christians, we need to conduct ourselves in such a way that you know, we don't offend uh, anyone. You know, probably the biggest example in Scripture is uh, eating meat. Right? Uh, you know, in, in Judaism, uh, you know, they were eating some types of meat was it was unclean. But in Christianity, you know, through the, the new covenant, you know, Jesus said that all of those things are now clean. Uh, you are, you know, able to eat those things. Uh, but there was, there was still a hang up with Those people who became Christians, especially those who came from Judaism, they converted from Judaism into Christianity. And it was really hard for them to get that through their mind that it's okay now to uh, eat these certain meats like like pork. Right. And also, um, you know, some of some Christians felt that uh, they shouldn't eat. Oh, boy. Uh, my time has expired. I really wanted to uh, finish that, but we'll finish that up Sunday morning. But I uh, appreciate uh, your attention uh, this, this, this evening. Thank you.